1: UK Film Review Festival is back.
2: Join us for an incredible selection of feature and short films. Review the ones you see and do it all from the comfort of your own house. November 12th and 13th, festival passes are on sale now at
3: ukfilmreview.co.uk. Health check passed. That's good. Yeah, and the red one. Health wine. check passed, yeah. No. And the red on as well. We're cooking.
2: We're cooking and strangely enough, this is now a second intro because we had eight minutes of chatting really good anecdotes about our Bruce Springsteen concert. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're kind, yeah. of, we're kind of doing another new intro, so a bit, yeah. bit confusing for me, to be honest. But oh. hey, no uh, bad thing to talk about Bruce Springsteen oh, whenever no, you absolutely. can,
3: I think. No, absolutely. Um,
2: But yeah, that's not why we're here. Um, It is now episode seven of the festival shows. We've been doing this a while now, Brian. We've been cracking through, aren't we? Cracking through. Yeah,
3: almost feel like veterans at it now, don't we? Mm
2: And um, we're going to review five more films on this episode. We're going to be seeing some more episodes as well from other UK film review critics coming up soon. So do make sure you subscribe in all the right places because um, <clears throat> there is a very special episode coming up where uh, Rachel on the Scream Test is going to be joined by Ian from the Phantom Zone, and they're going to be reviewing and judging the best horror film category. I'm so looking forward to it already. I right, am. Um. I'm. I'm equal. I'm equal. Like really <laughs> looking forward to it, and also very much aware that I'm going to spend a lot of time editing that episode. Yeah, yeah. Get, so.
3: get the rice applied, running
2: really. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, no, I think um very excited about that. And there's some other episodes as well. Gay Actually has got the uh, best LGBTQ plus um, category covered. And I will be um, doing an episode with Jason. Um, you remember Jason? Jason I was, too.
3: Yeah, It's like been a
2: while that. since we've had Jason how on.
3: The, so. How the devil is he?
2: Well, I'll ask him when I speak to yeah. him. Um, we're going to be doing the best drama, and um, sure. a, another critic, Alistair McRae, is hopefully going to be joining me to do the best crime thriller. So, yeah, the reason for that is Brian, because I need mm-hmm. you for all these short films. We've got. Uh-huh. Did you know there's still like thirty seven in the category this year? Not that many? I
3: didn't think it's there
2: was that many. So many. We're not actually as far off through as you might think we are. So I still need you to just, you know, g yourself up that's, a little bit. All right?
3: That's fine. That's fine. I'm ready. I'm ready. We've got five brilliant short films on this one, haven't we?
2: Really excellent. We do. Um, a Very good selection. Very different again. Um, and actually, I can't really wait to crack on, so I'm just going to do it. Um, first up is the short film directed by Shiroz Khan, and it's called Man to Man. Mm. This was a big surprise for me um, because nice. I'm watching I'm watching the film, knew nothing about it, went in and sat there and I'm going, That's David Harewood. That's David mm-hmm. Harewood. Mm. What what's he doing in his film? And I, it suddenly I sort of dawned on me like David Harewood's in this film. And <clears> I love David Harewood. I've loved him um since um Home Homeland. And Blood Diamond as well, he was very good. He's yeah, he's he's great. Um so, the setup for this film is it's about um, three black males. Uh, so, you've got a father and two sons. Mm-hmm. And the sort of teenage son has been in some kind of altercation that day, got beat up. And the dad is now, who's David Howard, who is kind of really going to town on teaching his son you know, how to fight, how to stand up for himself, how to defend himself, and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's set in a boxing um, club and yeah, it becomes a very sort of powerful story about survival um, mm. and also varying attitudes towards how one handles racism and prejudice yeah. in the world, um, mm-hmm. obviously from the perspective mm-hmm. of uh, these black characters and also about uh, masculinity, I think comes into yeah, it quite a yeah, bit I think so. yeah, um, yeah and yeah, because the even the younger character has quite a lot to say as well about you know, yeah, the, yeah, the, the way things may have changed, but also yeah. you know, the, the wiser older character says you know it may look like things have changed, but actually that um that racism is still there, and it's you know, systemic. Mm. Um, we're starting with a very <laughs> heavy film. Um, what did you mm. think of man to Man, Brian?
3: I thought it was excellent. I actually reviewed this You did did, six months ago. And of course I didn't rewatch it until I knew we were gonna be discussing it on this show. And I actually forgot how good it is. It's incredibly powerful. It's very strong. The editing's very sharp because what I like particularly about this, it's kind of a bit like the old world fighting against the new world. You know, where the sun it feels progressive. And wants to move forward, but the the father represents the old the old way of doing things, where he's naturally very defensive and protective of, of his sons. He wants them to fight and stick up for themselves. But the the son Dion, he he wants to use his head a bit more, and I think it's a, a brilliant sort of contrast in in attitudes through a sort of a, gener- a generational uh, lens, if you like. Uh, so that's the father representing what how it used to be and the son representing how we hope it is now. But of course, this all begins because Dion is the victim of a racist attack. And he's died. Um, Malcolm wants to ensure that he can defend himself. So he's insisting that he gets in the ring and spars with him. What I think is brilliant about it though, is the editing because Mm. it, it kind of switches between what Dion is thinking, what he wants to say and what he actually says. And he wants to please his father and make him happy, but he wants to be his own man at the same time. And it's those conflicting emotions, isn't it? And, you know, Life being what it is, you don't always say what you're thinking. You you suppress what you're thinking, and there's a big difference between what we think and what we say, and a big difference between what we think and what we do. So I love the way that kind of conflict is there, mentally and physically. It's it's there. But David Harewood, really, uh, it's a bit like when we were discussing a moral man, another short featuring Toby Jones. When you, you when you see a name actor, someone that we recognise, someone that has a profile, it does something for a short film. It really does, and I think we'll come once to discuss this with Old Windows, as well. That you've got an actor like David Harewood, he's got a profile, it doesn't mean to say that an unknown actor can't play the part as well, but it gives it that kind of that kind of kick. It gives it that such a stardust that raises it a bit more, and of course. All, all three members of the cast are excellent. You know, the young kid who, pl- who plays Micah is really good as well. But um, very, very well well written, well performed. Very well shot. The lighting's brilliant. Uh, you know, it's very, very good. It's very strong.
2: Yeah, and I, it was interesting um, to learn that the, the Dion character, the main character, mm-hmm. um, the guy that plays him is also the writer of, yeah. the, of the film. And I think that that's incredible because for me his performance i thought was the best i thought you know he re- maybe because he was so attached to the material <clears throat> and also he's not direct <laughs> he's not directing um mm. khan is directing who um he's actually done another film um in this uh festival um, mm-hmm. so i think that it's great when you watch a film, yes, that has the star power that does have the character that's like, wow, you know, oh my God, you know, it does elevate things. I think it it adds gravitas to the Mm. whole thing because you're thinking, well, why, why have they attached themselves to this piece? Because often, you Mm. know, they don't have massive budgets and you know that Mm. it's, you know, oh, unless they have literally just spent all their money to cast one actor for the day, which I guess they could do. um, That actually it's often it comes down to maybe they just, Really, either wanted to support the filmmakers or they really felt something for the story. Yeah, the stories I, are very pure and very sort of. Yeah. Truly I, told. I,
3: th- I think that's probably. You probably nailed it there. I, I think somebody like David Harewood has seen this. He likes the scripts and he, he's, he's done it because. He, it's, it's something that he can give back. It's something he feels passionate about. He identifies with the characters. And really, even though Malcolm, his, his character was the more aggressive and combative character, even that character cracked towards the end. Mm. But I was never absolutely certain whether that was what he was thinking, he was hoping would happen, or what did happen. But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, but, Nevertheless, she saw that he had a soft side in the end, even though he was trying to be the tough guy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. You know, you can't you can't knock the quality that's there.
2: I think that you mentioned the editing and the <clears throat> various um, scenes, which then they go back to reveal that oh actually maybe that didn't happen or or maybe didn't happen that way or something and I think it's really revealing about the different discussions which are not happening about racism and other things that come up in the in the short I think it's really a great way of displaying that of saying look do you know what this would be a really hard conversation to have but you know this is the way it should go but Mm. we're what's happening is it's not happening we're, we're having this other conversation where we placate each other or or we don't speak our mind because we're too <laughs> afraid of upsetting the other person yeah. and I think that's a really powerful thing to have done in such a yeah short short um I loved all the the tone of the film it's a, it's a really sort of dark and gritty feel to mm. the you know the boxing gym and the fighting and everything like that uh, isn't overbearing it's very much a dialogue Driven piece. It's really about the conversations that they're having. I thought that was great. Um, Yeah, just excellent filmmaking. Really, really good. Um, Yeah,
3: yeah. It's one of the best. Best in this festival, I think. Best of the shorts. One of the best, anyway.
2: Definitely up there. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, Brian. We've got the very difficult job at some point judging all these. I know. I know. That's
3: that is going to be tough. I think that is going to be difficult, particularly with a film like that, because you know, all right. You know, I've made a big deal out of David Harold supplying the star power. It would still be good without him in. You know, mm. if you had someone who wasn't a particularly big name, it would still work. But it kind of just helps get it over the line. I think right. that that's the that's the, the key there. If you get an name actor in, but there you go. It's it's good. However you look at it, however you slice it, it's good.
2: Very good. Um, yeah. And if you're listening to this before the festival, do check out Man to Man uh, when we show it. If not, seek it out elsewhere. Very often these films end up on YouTube and Vimeo and all that sort of stuff. So do seek out Man to Man. Um, next up is One for the Ditch, directed by David
3: Gilner and Louis uh, Maxwell. Yeah, now, this is very short, isn't it? This is what we call a short, short, isn't it? A short, it really? short yeah. This um, is six minutes.
2: Not the shortest, though. We have some. No, there's a four no, minute not. film um, elsewhere. But yeah, this is yeah, <clears> very, very short and dealing with some very topical things. Um, we've had a few COVID in, you know, uh, related stories in the festival. Um, why don't you give us the synopsis on this one, bro?
3: He, yeah, so this this again. It's the backdrop of COVID, and the main character Tony has recently lost his wife, and his son uh, is trying to talk him round, trying to bring him back into the uh, the throng. You know, bring him back to real life, get him over the pub, get get a few drinks in him, and. It begins with him sitting on, on a, an empty bench, talking to his wife. And his son wants to, as I say, literally bring him back to life again. Because he's, he's in that depression that affects people, obviously, when they lose their life partner. And they go to the pub and there's a, a pint of Guinness waiting there for him and a letter. Written by his wife, and really, you you need some tissues. I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a proper tearjerker. Yeah, I think it really is. But it's not, it's not sentimental. It's not overly corny. It's an honest story about grief, about loss. You know, COVID did that to people. And he opens the letter up, and the the letter is from his wife. It's one last love letter, if you like. Have a drink on her, be happy, or be as happy as he possibly can, and carry on living his life because he's got a son, he's got grandchildren, he's got friends, and I think it's it's a it's a sad story that that many many people are going through as we speak. You know, we're all living with the consequences of COVID, but it kind of finishes on a very positive note because it's it's kind of. Hearing that last message from his wife when she's obviously already gone, but that's kind of given him renewed hope. I wouldn't go as far as saying rebirth, but it's renewed hope that life is still worth living. It's a lovely film. It's lovely. It's really, really nicely played, not overdone in any way, but it's a very honest, genuine story about life and the way we we deal with grief and bereavement
2: yeah and from what i understand um the filmmaker david gilner who he he writes directs and um he's in the film
3: he's, mm. uh, he's a son isn't
2: he he's a son yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> based based it on an actual uh story that someone had told him um in his community about this happening and mm-hmm. like you say i think these stories are there are a lot of them but then when you see them boil down to actually one person's grief they're so affecting because I think Mm -hmm. the the reality of it really hits home so much more like the idea of your loved one leaving you that letter I mean that was just too much for me and then you've got the idea of like oh yeah yeah, make sure you know buy my gin and tonic with your Guinness so that you know I'm there with you and it's just like yeah idea has gone but they're still there um yeah, really well done. Like you say, it's getting that balance. It's it's not about it being rammed down your throat. That oh, okay, isn't this awful? Like yes, it's awful, but actually, there are bits in it that are charming and poignant. Yeah. And yeah, I love the, the the chemistry between the the son and the, the father. I thought it was great, mm-hmm. really well done. Um, and it's it's got that sense of community that I really loved. Like sometimes with film <clears> as well, it's such a powerful. Uh, machine for that like to remind us of being in you know weirdly enough that like you imagine watching a film on your own quite often but actually it's a, it's, it's a very communal uh, experience yeah. um yeah. whether that's online and you're you're sharing all your thoughts about film or if it's physically yeah. in a cinema that a film like this can really remind you of what's needed after something like the pandemic and after all that stuff and also to be aware of other people in the community that may have gone through mm. all these things and we're so unaware like everyone has yeah hardships that they went through during that time and you know I think it's it's um, a testament to the filmmakers yeah. that they've done it in a way that doesn't feel like it's schmaltzy or or, or kind of almost benefiting from the tragedy it's like no no it's just a, it just yeah. feels like a genuine real story and there's yeah. there's some hope that comes at the end like he's, he's yeah. reunited with his family because he I think he isolates himself even more from his family that that yeah. changes and I think that's great
3: But I think what it also does as well, it it delivers an important message about grief and how we come to terms with it insofar that, you know, if you talk about the person you've lost, part of them is still here. You know, there is is a phrase that I've picked up along the way where they would say, to live in the hearts of those we leave behind is not to die. So you talk about them, they still feel here. Part of them is still here. Whilst you're talking about someone and you're you can bear to talk about them, even if you're sitting down over a drink talking about old times, then then that's a message that comes through really clearly in this film for me. So I think it delivers some important messages about how we deal with grief, how we deal with death in society, which again comes back to COVID and how we cope with that that blow of trying to deal with with uh, a pandemic and also deal with the consequences of the pandemic and the very worst worst case scenario so i think it's very cleverly done like it a lot
2: excellent that's uh one for the ditch again at the festival if you're hearing this before afterwards uh seek it out um david Gilner is um on Twitter, we, we he uh, interacts with us every now and then. So, yeah, you'll, f- you'll find him uh, pretty easily. Um, but, yeah, if not, uh, do seek it out. So, from Ireland, we're now going over to Australia. This is how global we are, Brian, yeah, with our festival. Nice. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, we, we're getting everything here. Truly it's, international, aren't we? Truly, yeah. yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, it's a, and this is the four-minute film. Um, well, one of them. We have actually a couple in the festival. Uh, this one is... Painting
3: by numbers. Yeah. It's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Because it's it's mainly visuals, and, and it's it's kind of like a, a visual collage of um, images and paintings. And it, it kind of represents the Seven Deadly Sins as well, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, um, they, they come up as like writing on these paintings, don't they, that are, like, Look, mutating yeah. in front of us.
3: They're kind of morphing and they're merging into each other, aren't they? Which is very cleverly done. I mean, at, at one point, this this is the even shorter one that we're looking at, isn't it? This is four minutes, 23 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but there are some great visuals there. And it's all about visuals, really. I mean, you get a story from it as well. But there's a great um, montage in the middle where you've got Napoleon who morphs into uh, the driver's seat of a a digger, a mechanical digger truck yeah. type thing, which I thought was really clever. You think, well, oh, that's good. I, you know, you end up winding that back you think, I've got to see that again. Um, oh, yeah. It's, I, it's the type
2: of film <clears throat> you could have watched at least sort of five or six times because there's so many little bits yeah, and little um, things I that happen.
3: I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really good and, and visually very, very arresting. But, um, yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it's short, you can see it again. But well, we've,
2: we've got this situation at the moment with um, the just stop oil and other protests yeah. I think around the world, where they're they're throwing um, stuff on uh, oh, no.
3: I'm, I'm not
2: yeah. I'm not going to get into it because I, I, I yeah anyway yeah, um, yeah of course yeah yeah, I, yeah I'm saying I'm saying that all that yeah. but I think wise. yeah it's an interesting um, time because of yeah, this film. Looking, you know, you've got classic paintings such as like The Scream, The Last mm. Supper, you know, yeah. uh, I think they reference like Banksy and Salvador Dali and things yeah, like that. Do, and yeah. then they kind of morph into these um, very overtly political images of, you know, about greed and gluttony and the sins and all that sort of stuff that it is, it feels preachy at times. It is, you know, it's trying to convey a very sharp political message and doing it in a way that is... It's visually engaging. I love the creativity involved in all of the pieces, like the way that they all connect together, I thought was great. Um, I think the the bit, it's a bit where the, the woman's changing clothes. So is like that the, the picture of her, and yeah. all her clothes are changing and she's sort of going through all the trends and all the fads. And I thought that that was well done. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the kind of film where it's... I like it at, fil- at film festivals when you get something like this. It's short, it's punchy. You weren't expecting it. It's not something you necessarily go and seek out. It's not like, oh, here's a film with Toby Jones in. Like, let's go and watch it. Yeah. It's it's more like, oh, okay. You know, cam- Do you know what? I watched this really really weird film. You know where they, they, they did these paintings and you know. yeah, and it's the kind of thing that, as you describe it. I think other people would go. Do you know what? That Sounds pretty interesting. And at four minutes, yeah, you gotta check it out, yeah. right? <laughs> <clears throat>
3: I know. know, You're hardly taking a chance, are you, really? I mean, it's only four minutes, but it it works. It makes you watch. It holds your attention. So you can't say that it hasn't done its job in that way. Inevitably, I think it's raising issues of ecology, climate change. Mm. You you know, that's inevitable, really. I I think it it creeps into a lot of films now in some some shape or form. It will do because it, it is a challenge of modern life isn't it is to preserve the planet protect the planet you know whatever the politics that go with it we all basically think the same but it's the way you achieve that preservation isn't it and that comes across in this film however short it is that you get you get a sense of it it's but again it's purely visual isn't it and but you can tell you can tell a story with just visuals and I think it does this, but it, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting, and it's a good contrast to uh, other films that we've got in the festival. So it's like a kind of an antidote to some of the more uh, heavyweight pieces that we're looking at. But interesting though, it's very good.
2: And funny enough, this year, is the first year we've not done the animation category, because we, mm. we just struggled to get um, submissions for it, but there's been some great films this year, um, animation, um, and I think that this is definitely one of them. Um, I like that you mentioned about the ecology stuff, um, yeah. and there's the bit where there's like the kangaroos running through the forest fires, because that was a big thing, right? You know, And I think the filmmaker obviously yeah. comes from Australia or the film does, and I think that uh, it's so important that filmmakers are able to tell the stories of their homelands and you know, of their cultures and, and what's happening around the world. And the mm-hmm. great thing is, you're know, coming together like this and just you know, seeing that creatively expressed as well. It's not like a documentary where it's just you know, which would be fine, you know, um, you know telling us mm-hmm. about all this stuff, but doing it in a way like this, which is very thought provoking, but comes in a you know, a completely different angle. So I, I always mm-hmm. really respect that when filmmakers are able to do that um, and able to actually. Uh, bring something really interesting and really dissectable to the table
3: it's very I mean it's genuinely creative real creativity Chris I think in films it's very difficult to find you know where you'd look at that and you think right I've never seen anything quite like that before I don't know whether you have but I've not seen anything done in that way in that short time span so you know, he deserves a lot of credit for doing, for trying to be original, daring, different. You know, for me, I've not seen it done in that way before. So deserves a lot of credit for that, for trying to be different or daring to be different and do it in a, in a different way. So full marks to him in that way.
2: Fantastic, and I, funny enough, I've just literally come across the list of paintings that was used. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, Excellent. so there's The Starry Night by uh, Vincent van Gogh, uh, van Gogh, The Last, yeah. the last Supper, uh, mm-hmm. da, Vin- da Vinci, um, The Birth of Venus, which is uh-huh. a Botticelli, Girl with a Pearl Earring, I think that's the one I'm talking about, which is oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johannes Vermeer. Uh, you've got Napoleon Crossing the Alps, um, which is a Louis David um, painting. The persistence of memory, that's the Dali one. Um, right. And yeah, uh, Munch's scream. So yeah, it's <clears throat> you know, even if you're just a fan of...
0: <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify.
2: of classic art why not come and see it mutate exactly. into a burning forest yeah. You
3: know? yeah yeah exactly now i recognize i recognize most of the paintings but i couldn't put a name to the paintings. obviously the really well known ones the screen you know i'd I know those but you know i think that's mm. kind of like um for someone who's who's, a, who's really into art they would be able to go in and, and pick them out a lot more easily. That's it's a bit like Where's Wally, isn't it? Are trying to sort of spot where where this classic painting is and <laughs> how it morphs and how it changes. So, as I say, there's a there's a de- degree of originality there that deserves a lot of credit. I think.
2: And yeah, probably. there's so much to unpick with the film politically, if we want to. That's all there too. But I do yeah. think as well, there's that enjoyment from just sort of um, yeah noticing. I mean, what I always do as well, whenever I am faced with the, the seven sins. <clears throat> I, first off, I obviously always think of the David Fincher film. Um, yeah. But I also then I pause, probably, whatever I'm doing. And I go,
3: right, can I
2: remember them all? And I would mm. say nine times out of ten, I cannot remember them all. No, I don't I can't. know what it is. I just can't remember seven words. It's insane, and, really. And, it,
3: and it's sloth, it's the one I can't remember. Sloth. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I pronouncing that right? Sloth.
2: I, I'd, I'd say sloth, but sloth. I'm, I'm happy with sloth. No, no. Do you know what? I'm not happy with sloth when no, I said it. I don't
3: know. Uh, 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 this, this is a bit like um, you say tomato, I say tomato, isn't
2: it? Who actually says tomato though? Tomato.
3: Oh, Americans do, don't they?
2: Do they? Yeah.
3: Oh. Uh, we we say some because we're posh, aren't we? We are very you know, posh. We, we 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 say bath instead of bath, don't we? <laughs> grass but, instead of grass. Grass, grass. Yeah, well, if we're southern. If we're southern English, yes. For anyone listening, we're both southern English, aren't southern we? English. We're southern English, so so we.
2: We are, but. But please don't hold that against us. No, 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 we're generally so. quite nice guys. Yeah, we try that's to right. Yeah. Um,
3: we do our best, don't we? We do our
2: best, and yeah. I do. I always put the milk in after. Well, not after. I put it in when the tea bag's still in, but I don't put the milk in the tea straight away. Have you seen those people? They put the milk in with the bag,
3: yeah, and then does, put yeah. the water on. I no. that.
2: that. I don't get that. Because yeah, You've got right. no chance for the tea bag to brew. Like it's, it's like you're going in cold. Like what?
3: It's it's bad strategy, isn't it? Yeah. Strategy's strategy is all wrong, there, isn't it? I mean. I mean we love our tea don't we you've got to, you've got to do things in a certain way it's well you know how
2: I started the podcast episodes I was drinking mm. some whiskey now oh, right, yeah. I've um, unfortunately finished my whiskey bottle and I'm the kind of person that I just won't really re- replenish it until someone buys me one so I'm now on the tea and I'm drinking herbal teas now um, so it's getting quite desperate actually Brian if you want to send some help that'd be great oh yeah
3: okay yeah I'll see what I can do yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean much. you can only you can only go so far with that <laughs> I, mean, I actually very occasionally, when I'm in the mood, I, I will have peppermint tea, mm. which is very Itch. good for the digestion. It's not a great taste. It's never going to replace tea with sugar and milk, really. Oh, you have a, sugar in your tea? You,
2: right? yeah. yeah. Oh God.
3: Yeah. Don't get me started on sugar. Oh yeah, I'm a sugar fiend. Terrible. <laughs> Why do you not have sugar? No, I don't
2: have sugar. I have no. just just milk. I like it. <clears throat> Medium milky, I guess. Not too milky, not too not. But I used to um, make tea. I've made tea in loads of different jobs. But uh, one guy I worked with, he used to have four sugars in his tea. And the place yeah, that we worked, to... yeah, we only had really small cups. They weren't very big <laughs> cups. And I used to think that is the sweetest tea. You've mm. Oh, I couldn't, couldn't face it. Actually, Listeners, if you want to tell us how you have your tea, yeah. that is actually stuff I <clears> want to hear. I don't want to hear how we've got the verdict wrong on you know, the no. latest uh, Marvel film. That I don't really care. No. But if you do, <laughs> if you want to send me how you have your tea, or yeah. a, picture, a picture would be great, actually. Um, that I, I do really care about, that mm. stuff. Um we are actually heading back to the UK now um, with our next yes. film. Did you see what I did there? There was a long yeah. bit about tea to bring and, us um, back.
3: <laughs> yeah, you see, you were setting that one up, weren't you? You're just too quick I for was. me, Chris. You I
2: was, I was. Yeah. Um, this one uh, from filmmaker Joshua Fletcher called Plant Life.
3: I remember that well. The, uh, the day that I got you. It started raining on the way back it was pissing it down actually I took my jacket off and I kept you covered the whole way back (laughs) I was soaked but I I kept my spirits up though I kept thinking I was being all heroic charming bringing you back to earth through all that I got in and I had the biggest smile on my face. Surprise, I said. She launched herself at me with the biggest hug.
2: Ah, yes. This was a really interesting film and I love the way it's filmed. I really, um, I really got a lot out of this from this microcosm of a guy experiencing kind of a breakdown really like he's kind of going through this sort of uh, um situation where yeah. i'm i feel like actually you're you're already there brian what's the synopsis on this one you you go for it
3: well well i this is what i got from it uh, yes he's in the, he's in the middle of a breakdown of sorts but it's it's a breakdown followed by a breakup Mm-hmm. Or, or, I'm not sure which one comes first, but it, I think a, the breakup
2: comes first. There's a then, breakup,
3: then yeah. then there's the break, the breakdown, and then the, he focuses on this plant. Now, when couples break up, usually they argue over the dog, don't they? Who's got who gets control of the dog or the or the, or the kids, or the kids, Brian. or the kids, or the kids, kids first, or the, or the kids or the CD collection. Um, I'm trying to cover all bases here. We might be here in a while, but but. Uh, the focus is the plant, and it's in some ways I find it quite sweet and touching the way he's describing the moment they went out or the day they went out to buy this plant and what it meant to them, what it signified, and the surprise he feels that it's still there because he, he said, well, why didn't he sort of say, well, why didn't you take it? You know, why is it still here? As if it's a reminder of her and the relationship they once had. So it, it's kind of revolving around the plant, and I'm sure Prince Charles would like like this. short, sure, do you think? You know, because he's into talking to plants, isn't he? And <laughs> I was wondering where um, you're going with that, then, Brian. Like, well, no, well, you know what I mean, though, no, don't you? Because because look, it's just him, isn't it? It's mm. it's the guy. It's it's the guy and the plant, and he's he's just sitting there contemplating life generally, isn't he? And what's happened, and what he's lost. And it's, it's, as I say, it's the plant. It's about the plant. That's what, why I drew in the analogy with Prince Charles. Or oh, I should say the king. Well, Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
2: Well,
3: Sorry, your majesty, if you're listening. Do you think he's listening?
2: Well, just, um, yeah. probably not. He probably switched off after the whole tea thing. He probably, oh, oh God, not those so. Brits rambling on oh, about tea again. Yeah, like, he be. must be sick of that. Um, uh, we're going uh, way off track here. The <laughs> film, Plant Life, I just want to jump in saying I found it very evocative and also classy. That's one of the words I wrote down. I felt like it was a classy film. It, it, it handled itself really well, very well shot. My favourite bit is where he plays a song to the guitar, uh, to the block yeah. the guitar, that <laughs> yes. I thought was, he's singing to the guitar and I thought that was just genius and it was so um, revealing about, you know, about the character's situation yeah. and, and expressing himself in, the, in this kind of very loud and brash way that I thought that was excellent.
3: Really it's good. A, a good tune, a good a good song as well. It right? was right. <laughs> and to to me, that was probably. until you mentioned it, I, I'd forgotten that, but it it's probably the best part of the film. But yeah, you're right. It's classy. It's very well done. It's very well done. You know, it's well shot. I like the way it's lit, and I like him that that slightly kind of manic sort of demeanour that it that he has, where the relationship's ended and he's trying to come to terms with it all and trying to reset his own emotions to carry on again. Very good. You know, it's that kind kind of film that just leaves you with with an impression and it's well done. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Actually.
2: I want to give a shout out to uh, Charlie, Jason Clare, who plays the lead character, because I'm always very impressed. um, When we get these films and they've only got one character and one actor because it's very difficult to hold films up Mm. and, obviously sometimes i think you know maybe they've done that because you know expenses or you know or they've they because,
3: could be yeah <laughs> because
2: it's a short or they you know, they just want to keep it simple you know that, there's right. no there's no shame in that but when you get a film that does try to do a bit more just to be ambitious you know you're talking you know, a 10 minute film um, and i think that really impresses me that you get a character you you delve into their their world and they grip you, and they make you feel something, and they make you kind of care about what's going on with them. And mm-hmm. this, you know, this is a film that could easily have teetered over into the sort of comedy realm. You know, easily yeah. gone that way. And I don't think it is. I think it's a bit more of a sort of. It felt, well, it felt to me, more like a drama um, or tragedy kind of thing. And it felt yeah. that there was there were bits that were funny, to be fair. And I think yeah. <clears throat> that again goes back to that feeling of it being like a classy production of like a filmmaker that just knew how they wanted to handle this. And they, they got so much of it right. They got so much of the aspects right. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's all, that's all excellent. Yeah. It, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a film that stands up as um, a great piece of filmmaking and terrific that it's from the UK. You know, that's what we yeah. like to do. We like to showcase, we like to showcase yeah. everyone, but UK is very
3: important. Absolute. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I thought it was really good. I mean, don't forget, it's really a monologue, isn't it, effectively? It's actually, yeah. And even though it's only 10 minutes long, it's not easy to do that when you've just got one character and you're delivering what is basically a monologue and that you're trying to bring unseen characters to life with a monologue, aren't you? Because you're trying to communicate what's happened between that one character, that solitary character we can see on screen, and characters that we don't see but he manages to do that and that is not easy that's not easy to make it coherent to give it a, a tangible storyline that makes sense but he does that so it's very good I think class is a good, good word to describe it
2: Well there we go um, that was Plant Life directed by uh, Joshua Fletcher and I, obviously we mentioned uh, Charlie Sinclair but also <laughs> build on the poster is a plant which I thought was great, you know, the fact that they actually put the plant down in the in yeah. the cast list. Well,
3: absolutely, yeah, <laughs> that, absolutely. Bless
2: him. That plant does a lot of heavy lifting. You know, I, I'm giving all uh, the praise to the actor, but actually, I that know. plant does great. Yeah.
3: Where where would that story be without the plant?
2: I um, really believed that it was a plant. Do you know? I really thought it was, and I think that's that's the true power of these films. <laughs> that they get you to really believe it. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All, all power to him, but yeah, it's, I want. It, it,
2: I want yeah. to get that for you for the podcast. You know, be like my name, and then it's O'Brien. You know, it's like Chris. I was <laughs> yeah. starring. Chris, I was and O'Brien. I think that's like
3: uh, why not. Different. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's nice to nice to think that I have that kind of uh, gravitas to say it's O'Brien. You it's know, a Brian, right? yeah. it's O'Brien. It's O'Brien. It's O'Brien original. You know, <laughs> yeah, it kind of works. It needs a bit of work, but yeah, I think it works in principle. Yeah. So,
2: so that film was made in Brighton, and we are just moving. Um, trying to think of the roads but i know it's down the m4 for some of it um over to uh to bristol for the next filmmaker uh paul holbrook who has made a fantastic film uh short called old windows
0: this place yours
1: yeah well i mean it was my my dad's dad so yeah well my granddad (laughs) important Family look out for each other. So, um, you ain't been in here before then?
0: No. No. Because
1: you actually do look a little bit familiar.
3: Do I? I believe you reviewed this, didn't you, on the site? I, d- I did. I did review it, and it was very enjoyable. Enjoy- you know, when you've enjoyed a film, it's it becomes very easy to write the review on it. Oh, you could yeah. write pages, couldn't you, with, with something that's good. Conversely, with something that's bad, you could as well. It's the films that are just okay that are more difficult to write for, I think. Because if something's not bad and it's not great, what do you really say about it? But if a film is great... You know, I could have written pages for you on this. Mm. I, I think it was so enjoyable, and it features again another another dose of star power coming coming into play because it features Larry Lamb. Yep, who, who plays Harry, who listeners will know either as Archie from EastEnders or Mick from Gavin and Stacey. But yep. if there was ever an actor that was made for the big screen. It's Larry Lamb, but he's never. I don't think he's ever made it that big on the on the big screen in films. He's more small screen based but I think it's a gift. Again, it kind of touches on our previous discussions about David Harewood in Man to Man and Toby Jones in A Moral Man, insofar that you get somebody like that. It's a gift to somebody making a short film because you don't have a lot a lot of dialogue in a short film. Somebody like Larry Lamb can give you. Um, a sense of um, pl- a sense of place and a sense of, of what that character is, what he's about, and why he's there. So basically, he, he plays Harry. He tips up in, in this cafe, and it's just about to close. And it's it's got. I mean, I've got to mention this, Chris. I'm sorry, I have to mention it. But I mean, it's got a frame number six shirt.
2: <laughs> They're
3: West Ham supporters. So that's a good start. It's always a good start. If you know, know the characters support West Ham, well, it's after battle for me. but And the um, the the lady that runs the, the cafe, um, played by Laura Baston, who plays a character called Kerry, she's just about to close up, and Harry turns up. Slightly um, mysterious, edgy, Uncertain. She's not sure what to make of him. She wants to be polite. She's just about to close. But he said, I saw the door was open. Can I have a cup of tea? So a slightly polite and uncomfortable conversation ensues between the two of them because as the story unfolds, you realise that Harry has a very strong connection with with uh, Kerry and with the shop as well, with the, the cafe, and I, th- I think the way it unwinds is so clever, really. Because you think, for a while, you think, "Where's this going? Right? How are they connected?" But it doesn't really tell you until the very final frame what what the connection is, how the two of them are connected. Very good. I really enjoyed it. But as good as as good as um, Laura Basin was in it, and she was the co-writer as well. As good as she was. It's really all about Harry as a character. It was about her reacting to his expressions, his gestures and his mannerisms. God, he's got charisma Larry Larry lamb. he fills the screen and he makes it work with minimum dialogue and a very simple setup but the payoff at the end it surprised me really. I don't know what you thought.
2: yeah I'd I echo everything you've said easily and I think. You are right about Larry Lamb's performance. It's the the menacing kind of figure that's come in off the street out of the blue. Obviously, very mysterious. Um, we want to know so much more about him, why mm. he's there. There's obviously this undercurrent of what's going to happen. You, you, you're really drawn into the fact that he's come in and he knows the shop's closed and he knows he's doing... You, you can tell it's not like someone that has done this on the off chance. So you, no. you, you're wondering what, what's going on here. And he just absolutely commands the screen. Every uh, frame that he's in just uh, looks like a poster. It looks like a poster yeah. for the film. And yeah. I love the way that it's graded. The The whole film has a mm. this, like, nostalgic tone to it, that yeah, it you, you know, sort of greasy spoon, old school yeah. vibe to it. Um, it kind of felt, like these sort of old fables as well. It felt like like a story from yesteryear of someone, someone yeah. coming in and going, you know, a stranger turned up. But actually, you know, they were connected. Were they really a stranger? And I think that um, the filmmakers, the writers, which is Paul Holbrook and Laura Basin, do so well to keep mm. us guessing. They don't give it away. It's, no, it's not. Obvious. It's not obvious what's going. It's happening. not obvious at all. Um, no. And yeah, I did every time I looked at Larry Lamb, though, I was kind of like, he, he first off, reminded, it's reminded me of glasses, I think, but it very mm. much reminded me of like you know, the Cray brothers or yeah, um, that's the
3: vibe you get, more
2: brick top from uh, Snatchers, yeah. and I'm sat there thinking, it's so it's so London, isn't it? It's yeah, so East it, End London.
3: Well, I mean, cast your mind back to the podcast that we did on Guy Ritchie, and it reminded me of that conversation we had then. Insofar that Guy Ritchie managed to reactivate, um, when he he made lot Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, he managed to reactivate uh, a part of London that I thought had disappeared, a way of speaking that I thought had disappeared. And in some ways, Old Windows does the same thing. Because you mentioned it's an old-fashioned, down-to-earth, greasy spoon, which they're disappearing now. You don't see them in the way they're portrayed there. It's, it's a part of life that we, we don't see that much of anymore. It's a part of London life that we don't see much of anymore. And yes, there is a kind of a Cray a twins vibe going on there. Larry Lamb, he's very good at playing that type of character, I think, as well. You know, the best of actors are typecast, But I, I still, you know, you look at, you look at Larry Lamb um, and you think, how did he not make it in the same way that Bob Hoskins did, for example, or Ray Winston? And they're all contemporaries. They, you know, they're all... I mean, some of them appeared in the same TV shows together. You know, Larry Lamb was in a TV show with Ray Winston called Fox back in the 80s. And that kind of that edge and that polish and that presence is there. They've, they've all got it. And it's, it's kind of bound up with that old sort of London vibe, that old way, way of life that, as I, as I said to you during the... Guy Ritchie podcast, is kind of not there anymore. It's more like the, the East End, of the London that my parents grew up in, not the one I grew up in. So it makes me feel nostalgic for the past and something that you wish we had now. It's that sense of community again in some ways. But it's when you've got this stranger that enters. And it's fascinating. because, And also, I like Laura in the way, way she comes across in it, because she feels slightly intimidated by this guy. But at the same time, she's curious about him, isn't she? You know, she's like, who is he? Do I know him? Have I met him somewhere before? Does he know? How does he know me? You know, know, that kind of natural curiosity you do feel sometimes with someone that you you do, you wish they weren't there, but you're kind of curious that they are. So I I think it's a very strong piece and one of the best shorts. It's a very difficult category if you're looking at the shorts together, but... It's an outstanding category this time.
2: This this is up there for me. I must say, yeah. Old Windows is definitely up there. Um, and I've, I've been a fan of Paul Holbrook's films for a while. Um, he did a great film called Sunday Worship uh, a while back. And uh, yeah, just always, always want to see what he's up to. Always want to see the films he's making. And I think if you're going to watch any of his films, uh, Old Windows, you, know, you can't go wrong. It's just absolutely excellent. Really, also a good, really
3: good. T- a strong title as well. Old yeah windows.
2: I didn't because I wrote down the line where when yeah. they say it but I don't I, I feel like I don't want to say it because I feel like people no. should watch the film. Yeah, get, yeah.
3: exactly yeah you know I when I knew we were going to talk about this film I was really looking forward to it because I know it's good but I didn't you know it's the type, type of film you don't want to sort of say too much about it because when you sit down and watch it all right if you knew what, knew what happened, you'd still enjoy it. But you know, you're gonna get that kick and that impact of seeing the solution, the payoff for the first time is always great. I think with a film like this, so I, I think it's it's good that we haven't given the listeners too much. But it it's definitely one you know, listeners get get their passes. It's it's definitely one I'd put to the top of the list.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I'd seek this one up for definite um you yeah, know all the films we reviewed have all got uh great caliber really good um reviews on the site everything's going to appeal to you in a different way um i mm. think we we reviewed films you know four minute animated films where pieces of art are being destroyed and then you've got yeah this sort of 20 minute nostalgic drama mystery you've got documentaries uh and you've got uh, feature-length films. There's so much here. Um, To be honest, we don't really give people enough time to watch it all because you wouldn't do that at a festival. you normally go and cherry-pick the stuff you're going to watch or listen to if it's a a music festival. So, you know, for me, this is the type of film I love watching. I love watching this sort of great crafted film, but Mm. a story that's really intriguing and really compelling kind of has this mysterious um, element to it. I
3: love that. I think any anyone that any director that can tell a story in ten minutes, it's got it's got a lot of ability. I think you know. Once upon a time, film directors would have would have began making TV commercials. That was how Ridley Scott, for example, started out making TV commercials. Alan Parker did the same thing. These days, it's not done that way. It's not TV commercials necessarily. It's short films that they start out making. And I think it's, it's very demanding. I, I, I don't think you can underestimate how demanding it is for a director to make a short film. Not only because they've got a limited budget, but you've got to tell an end-to-end end end story in 10 minutes, say. It's a bit like writing a great pop song, isn't it? And being able to tell a story in three verses and a chorus and a middle eight, you know, what, what you used to get in a pop song. That's what you're doing with a short film. So I think it's becoming uh, a subgenre in, in its own right. So, I, and I think short films are so well represented in this festival this year. They really are.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. Um, and again, big thanks to all the filmmakers who trust us with their films. Mm. Brian, big thank you to you. For pleasure being as always. And,
3: and always a pleasure, never a chore.
2: <laughs> um, so <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been Chris Olsen and he's been O'Brien, and uh, I thought I'd just put it in there to see what happens. Yeah. This has never been.
3: Know,
2: might the, catch I don't think it's going to catch on. Even I've already got bored of it. This has um, um, been the UK Film Review podcast. Um, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you again
3: next time. Take care. Bye for now.